What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Elemental Arts with your host for the evening, Eagle Death. For this week's episode, we welcome on to the show the man behind the mask, the juggalo with the heart of gold, the madman of Canada, with releases on well renowned labels as Deep, Dark, and Dangerous, Century, Infernal Sounds, Hatchet, and way too many more to name. We welcome on to the show, Tyler Marone, better known as Abstract Sonance. Oh man, so how's your day been? Oh, it's a day. It's a good day. It's where I'm leaving the coast tomorrow for Jungle Dreaming Festival. So just kind of last minute getting things together, cleaning the chicken, making sure they're all happy. Nice, man. Are you, uh, are you out in Canada? Yeah, out in Canada on the West Coast-ish. Can you can you move your mic a little bit closer or turn up your volume? Here, all right. I'll turn up the volume there. Maybe it's there, a that, bit. That's perfect. Better there. Okay, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, man. What what part of Canada are you in? In a little town called Enderby, out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. I'm like in, even a bit more north of there, called Ashton Creek. There's like 200 people. Little store that has booze to bread to hiking boots. <laughs> Oh damn! So, so you're cool. in a really small town. Yeah, I just tucked away, just trying to live that simple life, you know. Is that uh, were you living there when you started making music, or was that something that we kind of migrated to once you started making music? Yeah, I migrated. I went from Kelowna, born and raised in Kelowna, till I was twenty. Then I moved to Salmon Arm. Salmon Arms. I'm not sure how big it is, but it's decent size. Got a Walmart and whatever, you know, but. Lived in a little trailer there and always wanted to do the farming life. But as soon as I moved to Salmon Arm, I started to learn to make music there, surrounded by a bunch of beautiful souls, a bunch of creative people. They really gave me no choice but to get in the creative atmosphere, which is awesome. Nice. And my dream was to own a property in the middle of nowhere. And then the last couple of years, me and my lady got a place, six and a half acres, trying to do the hobby farm life, making Damn, beats. Damn, that's a lot of beats. land. It is, man. It's sick. Got a little windmill with my buddy and milling our own wood and making our own vegetables. Like I'm still eating my own strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, potatoes, carrots, beets, apple juice, like from last year, garlic. And Are you uh, vegetarian? Some, nah, I'm just like a ethic ethicitarian. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like I, you I, like I to know where your food's coming from. That's it, bro. That's it. Happy, happy, happy meat, happy me. Like I fish my own fish. I got chickens that we raise and we butcher, and we got um, egg laying hens. So we we eat basically just happy meat. My friend has a she grows thirty cows a year. And then she like names them after our homies that are like born in that month. <laughs> so I got my homie. I'm eating Margot right now. <laughs> my homie Margot. It's a kid. it's actually Margot the fourth because she's been around for a minute. So it's the fourth Margot. So we got a quarter of Margot this year. And you know, just down for the local ethically sourced happy meat stuff. So it's probably good that you have your own and chickens. You know, considering the fact how expensive eggs are right now too. Man, shit's crazy. I'm selling them even cheaper. We get them in stores, and ours are organic, happy, free range, whatever. You know, it's it's yeah, it's a good choice to be at right now. <laughs> oh, nice. So, do you guys sell to like local markets and stuff as well? Yeah, I mean, I got a whole business plan behind it. I don't want to. <laughs> there'd be a whole different discussion, but yeah, we're that was our second summer at the property. This year's our third, and we have a whole plan with greenhouses. Uh, lettuces through the winter, selling eggs, of course. And then we, we just, last year was a prototype year, and we grew so much vegetables, we just gave it away free to the community. Like, hey, who needs food? Food's expensive. Who needs make sure everyone eats? And we just gave away tons and tons of food. And just through that, we had a lot of supporters. And then I've been watching a friend that lives in the Kootenai area, which is also in BC. It's by Shambhala Music Festival. Not going to like give away their name, blah, blah, blah. But I've been watching their business plan and what they've been doing over the years. And they've been battling everything from deers and moles, voles, the whole. I just like seen their evolution of how to survive through this stuff and then what to do. So we're going to do a little bit of farmer market, but that's not our main goal. Our main goal is just having like door to door 
neighborhood uh, consumption, trading, and providing. So that's really cool, know. man. Yeah, yeah, it's going back to the basics essentially. So, uh, with you you traveling so much, uh, are you close to an airport at all, or how far is the airport from you? Yeah, well, f- flip. I mean, COVID turned whole things upside down. Didn't fly for the last three years. I was flying, doing 50 to 80 shows a year, if not 100 shows some years, then right to nothing. Oh, yeah, it was a heartbreak. It was a heartbreak. But at least, you know, try to put the energy somewhere else positive. And so are I you back on it now? Airport. Do you have a pretty good yeah, uh, but- amount of shows? Mm-hmm. Slowly back on it, like... It's funny because I got the double commitment. So right now I'm actually in a bless. I'm in a crazy amount of things. I don't know when this uh, when this is being aired. Right now is March 13th. I'm playing a music yeah, festival. Yeah, this will be aired in, in May. <laughs> March, April, May. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. No worries. Well, in May, this will come out in May. I'm touring USA in May. I got uh, playing. Ooh, since this comes out in May, it'll probably be announced. But this is, you get the exclusive. <laughs> But it's Infrasound oh, yeah. Music Festival. <laughs> uh, Infrasound oh, playing yeah. in LA with the B side guys, playing in Baltimore, Chicago. Um, uh, Excited Red to see Rock. you out at Red Rocks. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a dream come true too. And then I got Shambhala, got Deep Roots Music Festival, which is in British Columbia, Canada. This is this one's a must attend, especially if you're in the west coast of North America. Seriously, these guys got the heart and love of sound system culture from back in day, but these guys are young, young soldiers just pushing it, pushing sound system culture, throwing a whole music festival out here, investing a lot in this is year two, I believe, and it's literally my favorite musical acts of the year every time in Western Canada, so I got nothing but love for these guys and support for what they do, so if you have a chance, Deep Roots Music Festival, Western Canada. yeah, so big up to those guys. Nice man. So what uh what got you into making music in the first place? I I know you uh, wanted to live, you know, the quiet life. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a part of it. Moved to Salmon Arm. Uh I lived in Kelowna, British Columbia, and I was involved in some heavy shit. I lived on the streets when I was fifteen, you know, homeless, did my own thing. Ended up getting stabbed in the back twice, got jumped, got stabbed. My buddy got shot in the head and got killed. All this crazy shit happened. And then I wanted to change my life up. It was like just one bad thing after next. I wasn't living the life I was supposed to. Um, And then so, fuck, after another catastrophic event, my friends are like, get the fuck out of there. You're going to die before you're 20. Move me to Salmon Arm. I just had a heart attack uh, months prior and I was 19 at the time. And so they moved me to Salmon Arm and they're like, oh, you got to take it chill, take it easy. So I'm just living on their farm on the acreage and they just borrowed me their computer and they're working every day, working their butts off to pay rent, to provide for the the household. And I just got to make beats on the computer and rest my heart up and and heal and, and recuperate. And in the meanwhile, you know, like... I got a million offshoots of stories, but one's even hugs. If you meet me now, man, I give the best hugs in the world. Then I'll big up my dad because <laughs> my dad's one of them guys too. He gives the best hugs, but literally I'd have like the most awesome humans in the world. The most epic female friends are give me hugs and leave and I'd text them. Don't fucking hug me. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. It was like, it was trippy, man. I was obviously scarred and traumatized and had this past that was different. And I started producing and it was hip hop. I'm living with these guys on their on their house, and I'm making beats. They're working. They come home. They're like, yo, you making beats? Oh, I rap. Oh, what? We go do house parties, and it's pretty sick. So in this meanwhile of me still being a hard ass and whatever, doing hip-hop, we go to Shambhala Music Festival, and I go to Shambhala, and I show up. I'm like, I'm going to make shit ton of money, do all this blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I show up. I'm like, I ain't making shit. Who wants what? Giving everything for free, hugging everyone, and like, <laughs> at first, I won't even like when a person level I'll tell you real stories, but like shit, man. Like at first, I was like, "Who the fuck are all these people hugging everyone?" And then by the end, I'm like, "Who wants a hug?" Like, so <laughs> the, the it was like a evolution. nice eye-opening experience. 
bro bro and seeing from the hip-hop world where it's more like ego rap about me this that and being whatever mm-hmm. and like even coming from kind of my past of whatever like more gangster life this that and then seeing this beautiful culture of people and music and energy and i was just like instantly addicted and attached and then i went sober from 20 to 23 i'm like whoa need a new life change obviously I had a heart attack before then that helped perpetuate it but being a stubborn male, I was fucking had a heart attack and I'm not like, I need to change my life. I still live the same stupid life. And then it was just shortly after my beautiful people in my life were like, yo, 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 change it up. You fucking idiot. <laughs> Sorry for the bad words, <laughs> but um, I'll try to. Well, it it sounds much. like you had some, some uh, good people, uh, you know, around your life. You, you could use whatever language, man. We're, we're just chatting. People. This well, is. Thank this, you. This, so. Good, good, yeah, <laughs> sweet, yeah. Oh man, yeah. And so, like, yeah, it's like a long story short. And then, so I started making electronic music, and right from the get-go, I didn't really care about what it was or how it sounded. I just did me, made music for what I could, and then it progressed. I started touring Europe. I uh, got a couple shows in the states. Got U.S. visa, and then f- kind of found my art which was kind of hip-hop based, but turned into grime. I was the only guy pushing grime, toured with DWE, and then just like push like mm-hmm. bass music, bass culture, and that kind of solidified kind of what I do in, in this scene. But at the end of the day, it's like I still just make music every day. I make music for what I want. Last night I made some jungle. You know, my, my dog passed away, which was my best friend six weeks ago now, and I made her a UKG tune. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Carry. All I need is you. Oh, bro, yeah, thanks. Hard, hardest things in my life. That was yeah, well, I lost. Yeah, I lost my uh, well, my my old dog what, last year uh, after like ten years. Oh. So I, I definitely feel that pain. That's something like no other. How much of a hole it leaves? It's trippy. It, it does, man. Like I. Uh, I afterwards I actually ended up moving from uh where I was living at and then I um last year I bought a house so now I actually have land to myself my own space and everything and which is great so I can stay up late and work on music as much as I want and I uh and I got oh, a new dog and she, she needs the backyard oh. so uh yeah she, a she's a big dog she's a yeah, because she's a uh, German Shepherd and a Belgian Malinois, so she's a big dog, and um, yeah, it's 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 been nice, you know, doing that oh, and then also riding motorcycles now and like taking my mind off things. It's been great. How long you had her for? <laughs> um, sure, I've had her for. I think uh, she'll be a year actually this week. I got her. I picked her up from the shelter at three oh. months. It, oh, yeah, I actually beautiful. drove three hours to go pick her up. <laughs> did, did you even it meet her a, before a, you met her? Or before you got her? Or you just seen her online? You're like, yo, that's my girl. I uh, I saw a picture online and then I seen where she was and I I was like, all right, I'm going to call out of work. And uh, I drove three hours to go get her. <laughs> But they wouldn't give me uh, the dog because the dog was on hold for someone else. So I stayed at the at the shelter for five hours until the person who was, uh, had her on hold came. Yeah, and like once they were they were like, oh yeah, we weren't we were not, we're not going to take her. I was like, yeah, I want her. She's mine. <laughs> Dude, drive three hours waiting for great. five. Like this is you vibed instantly. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we kind of bonded immediately, so I wasn't letting her go. I, yeah. I even like, Aww. I even offered to pay to pay them if if need be. <laughs> yeah, like I'll pay them out. This is my girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, gotta, man, exactly. I know this is coming out in May. I'm I'm off to Costa Rica tomorrow for a show, and then I got a Europe tour all April, playing two shows: Czech Republic, two shows in Poland, and then playing in London, hanging out with a bunch of homies all over the map, making music. And I would definitely, I'm still searching. My girls send me pictures every day of like babies we should visit. But like, no, nah, two months and I'll be home and we can get a new, get a new best friend. So with you fuck, being, um, need love you know, there. gone, 
Yeah, with you being gone so often, um, does does your girl run the farm and um, watch over everything else while you're out? How how does that work? Yeah, she is a boss, man. I am blessed. Big up, big up, Camilla. <laughs> um, yeah, like <laughs> I mean, COVID really kind of fucked our existence up the last few years, and we got the farm. So my career really hasn't been back until December. Like a lot of the world moved on. In Canada, we weren't even allowed mm-hmm. to fly out without the the Vax passport until like months ago. So my career was actually still fucked. I was working at a mill, cooking. I did music for 10 years, owned a house, sold it, bought a new place out of music and lost everything like that. So I really just got it back in December. So now we've had the farm for two years, but it's been the whole COVID time. So now it's like readjusting. So it's like, okay, babe. I'm literally um, in where in my area is May long weekend is when you plant your plants for tomatoes, hot peppers, onions and things like that that need longer time. You have to do them indoors in greenhouses prior. But May long weekend mm-hmm. around May 20th is when you plant them. So I'm literally doing Costa Rica next week, Europe all April and then a, a May USA tour. And I come back May 21st on May long weekend to plant the garden. <laughs> so I'm taking the whole summer off to plant <laughs> like the perfect garden. Timing. And I'm going away for like, exactly. I'm literally planning my tour schedule around the garden, but mind you, my girlfriend's going to carry the heap of the shit. She's the legend. She's pushing it forward. So to answer your question, yes, when I'm away, she does it, but I'm also trying to be somewhat conscious of coming back to do you know, the important times to be here during planting and harvest and uh, just do like weekend offs during the summer rather than a whole 20 day or month long tours. So mm-hmm. trying to balance cool. that. Yeah. Do, what, do life you have a, uh, life, but my, I wouldn't do it without my missus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, a special visa or anything like that? I know you have to have like an artist visa to play in the States, but you're playing in, uh, in Costa Rica and Poland. Is that, all one visa or is that separate visas no no in eastern europe and stuff there's not much of a visa that you need unless you're going to play for big bucks like five thousand plus or something and um it's kind of like canada where you just get a visa exemption in up until 2013 in canada you needed a visa to come tour in and i actually had a couple problems bringing in some artists from czech republic but then after 2013, they lifted the visa restrictions. So you can just come and tour in Canada and not have a big issue. I think it's an issue when you start making, you know, 50,000, 100,000 short or whatever these like ACDCs, et cetera, make. But um, mm-hmm. same thing with touring in Europe. And there's also no border in Europe. So I go from Poland to Czech Republic to Switzerland to England or, or not England. Sorry, England's the only different place. They do have a visa requirement. But France, um, et cetera, uh, Croatia, you know where Outlook is, um, those places, they're much more free and easy to travel between without uh, crazy paperwork. So I just go on a visitor visa then, which doesn't require any stuff. You just like literally go to the airport, apply for a visitor visa via passport, and you're good to go. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I know back when I used to live in Detroit, I, I would uh, come over to Canada all the time on the trains. And I, I know oh. now you have to have a, a visa to actually just go over the border to go over to Canada. Dude, Canada and America's whack as fuck, bro. We're so harsh to each other. <laughs> Even when I was fucking, I turned 20 and are going to the States all the time with my driver license. Didn't even need a passport like literally like literally just drive across like no ain't no thing but no now it's all we're quite strict around here and it's weird it's almost like the commonwealth you know Mm -hmm. new zealand australia england canada u.s we're all pricks like even for me to get to england's harder than me to czech republic and then once i'm (laughs) in the eu you travel like a free like free bird eu i travel on a train across multiple countries Nothing gets checked. I fly from one plane to another in different countries. Nothing gets checked. But as soon as you enter England, it's fucking... I got a gnarly story for, like, one time when I came into England. It's actually hilarious. It's, I don't know. Do you want hey, a, you can, a quick... You, we, can, we can get into it, man. We got a whole hour. Okay, nice. Really good. Okay, man, one time... Sorry, I know I'm just, like, on Rant Central. 
No, that, that's, probably that's what this is for. So beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. All right, well, man, I went, I played, uh, I was did a whole Europe tour. I forget what the shows were and how much, but there was Slovakia, there was Croatia Outlook. I did Prague. I did Pilsen in Czech Republic. Did Opole in Poland, Bialystok, Poland, and um, coming back, I played. I didn't even have a show in France, but I had a tattoo there with uh, Helen. Uh, hit me up. She's crazy artist. And then um, DJ Absurd had a Rinse FM. So I went, did the tattoo. Then I go party with Absurd, do Rinse FM show, and then just stay up all night until my plane goes back to London to fly back to Canada. And then I take the plane from France to London. And I get into where you, I'm like up all night zombie mode and i go to where you get through with your passport through clearance or whatever mm-hmm. and i go up and I'm like where do i go as a canadian and he points this way and i just walk through a fucking door wherever he pointed i walk through it and i opened it and all of a sudden i'm where the gift shops are I'm like, oh, that's weird you usually go through heavier passport shit but whatever so i go and my girlfriend at the time i'm like oh i'm gonna go buy her a nice gift so I walk through everything. I think this is the London Heathrow, big, big airport, whatever terminal. I can't remember the C terminal or whatever. But you know, there's multiple liquor stores, stores. I go and buy a nice gift. I go to every, I have like a four hour layover. So I have a lot of time. I go to every restaurant and I find the nicest restaurant I want to eat at. You know, it has a good eggs Benny or something. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I take my fucking time, eat the eggs Benny, and then I curl up. I'm like, okay, well, I'm talked out of my face. I'm going to go sleep on a fucking bench somewhere in the corner and i'm really good at airports i literally just find a corner by a window throw my bag in my backpack and then hook my arms in them so it's like loops so no one can jack me (laughs) and i just like curl up in a ball and i get some sleep and i'm sleeping in the corner and i get these eyes on me i'm like what's happening and i open and there's these men in black dude like 10 motherfuckers in their suits like look we got them and i come over and they fucking like bear hug me they like tackle me on the ground like i'm fucking at the five yard line and they're just like oh and then they fucking throw me and cuss behind and lift me up from my back and they're like we got them blah, blah, blah. and they get me into the underground parcels and they're just security area i'm like what the fuck did i do and they come out like i'm jason Bourne with like some men in black pictures and they have these like blown up photos like look this is you escaping security I'm like, man, I wasn't escaping security. Dude pointed this direction. I'm wasted as fuck. And I get through this. And like 10 of the dudes didn't believe me. They're going so hard. Like I'm a fucking fugitive about to blow up the airport. They're like, we couldn't find you for hours. And we were going to shut down the airport. And then in my head, I'm thinking, dude, I literally accidentally drunk got through. If your security is so good. Like, airport security is a sham. We're paying all these dollars for this shit. They say, oh, we couldn't find you. Dude, I didn't even mean to hide, and you couldn't find me, for fuck's sakes. Like, That's crazy. <laughs> if, if you were trying to yeah. hide, I don't I don't think you would be uh, sleeping on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so they, they eventually let me go, and I caught my flight. And But at the end, I got pictures to show you, bro. I'm like, can I take pictures of your pictures of me just to show my homies of this crazy ordeal <laughs> I just went through? So I got fucking born idea identity fucking pictures of me sneaking through security accidentally <laughs> that's wild man Jeez. london heathrow yeah so that was one of my funnier uh, travel stories <laughs> so you've been uh touring for years uh, uh right yeah 2013 was my first europe tour i've done 10 europe tours since then wow 2019 wow. i did like new zealand costa rica europe tour had my america visa play over canada constantly so wow that's for, that's, for, that's that's a lot can you can you sleep on planes at all it's been a dream oh yeah it's one of the blessings i have my poor girlfriend can't sleep anywhere and you put me anywhere for one second bro i will pass out curl up in a little ball like a little baby <laughs> man i wish man i'd be i'd be trying to fall asleep and, and like even at the airport oh, like, i can't don't... fall asleep because i'm such a paranoid person and oh, I'm, I'm like shitty. I'm like all right yeah yeah, yeah, I'm from I'm from Detroit, so like Who's I'm, doing I'm what? Like always on guard. Yeah, you know the forest I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I got different trauma issues, so I maybe can't relate. Man, tuck up in a ball in a corner, but put your like arms around your straps, you know, like baby hug that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like no, it ain't so with you touring man. a lot, 
Um, do you do you work on music uh, on the road at all, or do you um, do you just little no, sketches, man. or can can you not work on music? It. Oh no, a little bit. Like, how are you with working on the road? Do you do all right? Um, yeah, it's not bad. Like, uh, sometimes if I have a a, sh- a show, I'll try to like finish a song up in the airport right before I get on my flight, or like in the hotel for a couple minutes or something. But it's usually oh, that's um, cool. something that's just about done. But a lot of times, you smash too, it into I a limiter or what? That, um, before you play, you yeah, smash it into a limiter. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's what yeah, I do. Make, make a quick totally. play out. Cool. cool. Fuck, mm-hmm. that's dope. That's dope. You still got that. Yeah, a lot of times too. I uh, yeah, I try to make um, a certain song for like each city I, I play with. Like, I make one song that's special for that city, so it's the first Epic. time they're hearing it. Epic. So, yeah, and I have yeah. a I have a very fast workflow because I have really bad ADD and ADHD, so I can knock out a tune in like an hour, really. Um, yeah, especially if, just focus that superpower. Yeah, especially yeah. like if I uh, already got an idea flowing, I like knock it out so fast. Cool, cool. Yeah, once you got that idea, that loop, it's like really just sixteen, sixteen, sixteen. Some change ups, remove shit, blah blah blah. It's like. It's all about the idea. Doesn't matter how much hours you put in or what it is. Yeah. Once you have that idea, that's all it is. That's sick though. Do you have a formula of how you work? Oh fuck no. My formula of how I work is probably similar to you. ADHD is fuck. I have an idea, I have this, that, I sing into my phone, I have a beat. Sometimes I'm fucking Oh, uh, so you, you make uh, you make memos? Oh, a million memos. Do you do like voice play? memos and like just make the sounds in your phone? <laughs> Man, since my dog passed, me and my girl are just going yeah, through come all my back videos later and try to recreate dog. it. That's it. That's it. I got my whole archive of all. I'm really good at archiving just everything. And even if it's shit, it's just like all my blah, blah, blah. And so we're looking through the videos of our dog and Misha, blessed soul. But I literally have every like meal I've ever cooked, every idea I've ever had. So we're just like fast forward. He's like, she's like, I know that song. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, it's half shit. I can't sing. I don't know. I'm half tone deaf or whatever. I don't know how I'm a music producer, but no, I yeah. So, I'm lots so is of your uh, is your family as as supportive of your music as uh, is 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 that your wife or is that um, oh, it's lucky. oh yeah, it's. Basically, my wife, we're not into marriage, we're not into kids or nothing, but we own this property together, and we're farmers, and it was her dog of 12 years, and I was like my stepchild, you know, like, so she's basically my wife, but we're not into that shit, and, you know, when I was 15, I moved out, I didn't have any family, and separated from the world, but as time has progressed, I'm 33 now, so it's over half my life, me and my family have rekindled, and actually, it's really beautiful, because... I've progressed as lot as a human and as have they, and it's more impressive because they're older, but my, uh, my, my partners, you know, been through foster homes and she's still in contact with her brothers brother and sisters, but, um, she really had, a had to build her own self from the ground up with not much support. And I was mm-hmm. much more lucky in that aspect and as much as sour as it went at times, now I'm blessed as fuck, man. My family's super cool. My dog died. My mom and dad came over and were just like super supportive. My sister called me every day. So um, went from just being like a hoodlum and like horrible shit, heart attack at 19 to rekindling and having this great relationship with people that also progressed in their ways, not always looking down at me with their own views of life kind of respecting me for my own choices and trusting that I will do for the better, you know? Yeah. Have your uh, parents come out to come see you play? Oh, bro, man, day one, they were so supportive. Like when I played my shittiest shows for like 20 fucking people at a Elks Hall fucking veteran bar, you know, like, (laughs) and like, (laughs) Like they're like they're pretty supportive from like ten years ago. Our relationships built through the times, but like they're like as long as you're not selling drugs and being a shitty human, we will support you. <laughs> so, have so they uh, seen from the small shows to you playing big shows where like five thousand people and stuff? Especially, uh, are they going to come oh, out yeah, for Red Rocks and see you throw down in front of ten thousand people? 
Oh, uh, no. I don't think they're going to see that. I want to bring my dad to Shams this year, though. It's been a dream to nice. bring him to Law. And so they've seen from the small to the big. And they've come to even to some of my big shows. And then they just see people like, oh, interesting. Like, because, you know, our culture is not like go to the club, throw your fist up and be some douchebag. It's like hug each other, love each other, close your eyes, meditate, dance, move how you want to move. So it was cool for them to kind of see the underground culture and what our sound system music is really about. Do they uh, like go out with your merch and everything and, and, and fans notice them? Man, my dad, my sister, and my sister's husband are fucking G's. They buy merch I don't even know I have out. <laughs> <laughs> they show up to my, like every time I see my fucking dad, man, and he's like a, you know, he's not like the typical guy that you would expect to be in our crew, you know, or something, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, what perfect. Don't judge a book by its cover. And my dad is a best soul in existence, man. I'm, I'm, I would be, I'm half the man I am. Cause of him, I would be way more if I could, but fuck, he's a legend. And every time I see him, he's wearing one of my fucking shirts. I'm like, God damn, like what a sweet soul. And his friends are probably like, who, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, yo, it's my son. <laughs> sounds like you got a lot of support surrounding you man that's awesome dude it's a blast it's a blast serious i wouldn't be here without it yeah do you um so how how often do you work on music when you're when you're at home these days i know a lot of times that you're now that you're you're starting to get shows again you're traveling a lot do you have time to sit down and really you know write music the way that you used to write music Oh man, that's a trip. That's a that's evolution of time. Like when I was younger, let's say 2013, I sacrificed hanging out with chicks, going to parties and doing stuff to make music. I just sat inside, made beats every day. And then you know, I made like I'm I'm addicted to this shit. It's actually crazy. Like if I don't when music's my living, 16 hours a day I'm in the studio. The second I wake up I'm in the studio, Maybe have a couple meals, drink 20 coffees. No, about eight coffees to be real. Fucking God studio, damn. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's psycho shit. And that's like the levels that progress to be whatever. It's like, you know, just, just pure passion and ethics. It's about the art. It's not about being the next singer, this, that. It's literally because I love the fuck out of it. And then as soon as COVID hit, that was almost the funniest blessing because I toured and I would be on the road and I would come home. Oh, I need to make beats and go on the road. And I was on the road so much. And then all of a sudden people like Flodan, Triga, Killapi, And like, those are my good homies. And we're all like, oh my God, COVID hit. This is actually a blessing. We're not on the road. So me and Triga, bro, in the first year of COVID made 80 songs. We released an 18 track album. We have another, excuse me, 18 track album coming out. Bunch of drum and bass. I have songs with Inja, DRS, um, fucking tons of tons of shit, tons of shit. Made a whole new alias, blah, blah, blah. But all of a sudden, COVID lasted. And it's like, okay, I was grateful to be done touring. I'm making music. But now, okay, where's my income? Where's the shows? Where's the touring? Where's the inspiration that helps me make this music? So it really turned really quick from being grateful to have time off to being like, what the fuck? Where is things happening again? Mm-hmm. And then it was just depressing, bro. I literally hit the, one of the lowest of my life. Like, I had a heart attack at 19, lived on the streets at 15, lost my career at 29, 30. And that was weird enough, one of the hardest things for me to transition out of. The other things, I just battled back like a warrior. I don't know if it's because of how young I was or what it was, but COVID really fucked me up hard. And Since you had so that much... Uh... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 that's... Yeah, it's because I've I had a lot going for me. You know, I was playing Chambla every year, Outlook every year. I was touring Europe two, uh, one to two times a year, playing four continents a year. Bought a house, like you know, it was like I was doing what I loved for a living, not selling my soul. I was still part of the underground, but just like being weird and being me, painting my face, juggle of life, whatever you know. And then just like just stripped away, yeah. Like so that. Um, <clears throat> with the with the pressure of not having to like make bangers and everything since you had so much time off were you working on um any kind of softer music or any or something more Bro, i wish yes really oh. to, it's it's yeah, it's, you really it's, didn't it's, have it's to like, like push that hard 
Exactly. Well, man, well, full 360. If, have you Do you remember my Ishtar album at all? 17 tracks on DDD. There's a couple songs uh, yes. behind, uh-huh. behind Close Eyes. That one, actually, I wrote a song, and then I'm like, what well, if I turn everything backwards? Then I reversed every sample in the song. Then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to write melodies and reverse them. So Behind Close Eyes, actually, a whole song written backwards. Anything I added into the tune, I had to backwards mm. it. So that one's a fucking, you know, from day one, I always kind of wrote weird shit and didn't give a fuck. So no, COVID didn't enhance that too much. Uh-huh. But um, what it did was... I got weird new opportunities because the funny thing was uh, being, you know, uh, we lost our jobs, but you know, fucking ACDC, they lost their gig. That's a hundred grand a gig or a million dollars a gig, you know, a lot more. And so all these big bands that like I, I'm producing for a guy right now, Alex Bronson, who's the bass player for Lauren Hill, who is the tour manager for chronics and coffee. And so like these people make, you know, like we lost our shit, but they lost their shit, and which is a crazier level. So I was the level of like sounded professional, but had a ghetto cost. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you know, the Commodores, like we got the funk or um, Brick House. She was a brand. <laughs> I literally produced the last two songs for these guys because as soon as COVID happened, they're like, oh, who can we find that has good sound quality but is cheap as fuck? And they're like, oh, it's me. So now. All of a sudden, I'm linked up with all these funk, like funk bands, rock bands, the uh, John Marks Express Band. I'm producing their album right now. And then I did some stuff for like the John Wick 4 movie, did stuff for like Apple, Samsung, like just unlimited tons of shit, all these. Yeah. So it was like, and then expanding outside of that you know, I just like to create, like to do whatever. So I learned new tools in these areas and then brought them back and I'm able to, Oh, this cool retro eighties effect on the guitar. Now I can put into the dubstep song at this, you know, it's like, you can always take tools from one genre and bring them back to the other. That's awesome. Cause I was actually going to ask you, um, if you've done any scores for movies or video games, uh, how, how, like, Seeing as you you actually got into stuff like that, how could someone that wants to get into that area of music actually get their foot in the door? Well, I'm not doing scores. I'm just doing soundtrack stuff. Okay, and Soundtrack nice. stuff is um, Sync, S-Y-N-K-R-C. And it's literally the biggest... Um, bleep, bleep, bleep. Fuck you, bleep, bleep. Fuck you, sing, bleep, bleep. <laughs> The biggest piece of shit fucking piece of fuck you sing. No, I'm just kidding. Because the opportunity with it, certain things like I got buddy Jake Roberts that does lots of film scoring. You get paid up front for it. You get the proper contracts, whatever. The sync music that I did. And, you know, the way to get LinkedIn is through certain music agencies. Um, Hypho is one of the guys that introduced me and I'll thank him. He really gave me the introduction right off the hop as soon as COVID happened and he saw that I lost everything. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the, a lot of these sync opportunities, they give you a, they basically give you a chart. Okay. This is what we need. This is, you know, the, the products that we need for our new movie can you provide to this? And then if you're one of the top guys that they choose, you'll get paid substantially. But if you're not, you're just in a sea of a hundred artists, more or less. And if your music isn't chosen, you don't really get too much out of it. Not even much of an opportunity, no um, financial support. So like with the John Wick thing, like worked fucking days and days and days on end get through all the rounds. Oh, we're going to use your tune. We're going to use your tune. And then just before it comes out, they're like, Oh, and we chose to not use your tune. So rather than getting 50,000 or a hundred thousand, you're getting nothing or you're getting a thousand bucks. And it's like, and time and time again. And so it's like, Oh, I lose my career as a dubstep DJ, but I'm getting hired to produce for these vocalists that I've produced for through dubstep. Now they're doing these other things and I produce their songs. And I did one for Gatorade actually that had Michael Jordan and Hussein Bolt in it. And I produced for my one buddy, Ben Keith, who's out of Kansas. And 
my song didn't get chose with Bam, but one of his songs got chose, and the payout was like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you're either getting nothing or you're changing your life. <laughs> hey, and that's really so, cool, man. <clears throat> yeah, and so yeah. when you, I know what you were saying when that's you it. um got into music, you you weren't getting into it to uh you know become big or anything like that. You were just doing it because of the love of the music. How do you feel about, you know, a lot of people nowadays just kind of making stuff so that they can get they can get big. They're not really doing it for the love of of the music itself they're doing it mainly for the the aspect of playing big shows and one in the one in the I tour. go to I go to deep answer I go to deep answer to that and, <laughs> hey, and I'm going to try to say it without without throwing anyone under the dirt for this one but it's it's pretty trippy because you know when I went and made these things for John Wick when I did this Gatorade commercial they were sellout things. They were shitty fucking pieces of shit that I wouldn't be proud of to abstract sonnets. You know, I put it under Tyler Maroon, not abstract sonnets. So that's where the division comes. I think I want dubstep to be pure. I want grime to be pure. I want jungle and drum and bass to be pure. So I know there's lots of artists that make amazing dubstep that will ghost produce for house music or for techno, or for some shitty genres that are about some bitches and fake tits slapping their arms up and dudes with fucking steroids with their fake purses and whatever, you know? <laughs> whatever. We can feed those genres because those genres are built off of fakeness already. There's nothing legit and wholesome about these places. With dubstep, with jungle, with grime, there's really, it's a wholesome area of, of art of integrity of ethics. So that's where I really do come into problems with people that take sample packs. Like I get sent, I look at a producer and it's funny because I'm a nerd. I make like, I'm, I'm a nerd and I really respect nerds. And you know, I, I feel like I can pull apart fake isms from realisms, but mm -hmm. then someone will send me a collab and it's like Monty base six, Monty base four, Alex Perez drum kit. And it's like, wait, we're writing a song and I feel like I'm collabing with Mon the 1985 crew and it's not even your shit. <laughs> and I would rather have you sound like shit and us grow together than you sound me something that sounds cool that isn't yours. Yeah. So I think if you want to sell out and make some money and be like, whatever, man, go make some fucking bro stat, make some fucking Zed's dead, whatever, like, Get the fuck out of the ethical, deep, soulful, meditational, deep dubstep scene, you know? Like, if you want to sell out, sell out and go hard. Make millions, but get the fuck out of here because I do notice there's people creeping into the scene for clout right now. And it's actually killing my soul seeing the reward ratio to people who aren't making ethical art. Definitely. Yeah, I get a I get a lot of stuff sent to me, you know, having multiple platforms and everything. And I, I listen to a lot of the sample packs. So I get uh, I've been sent some of them and some of them I, I, I buy because I like to do um, a lot of resampling. Because there's some there's some things that I won't think of that um, that I can change up. But it's it's crazy yeah. that I get songs uh, sent to me or just listening to, you know, just scrolling on SoundCloud or something and hearing a song that's completely, you know, from packs, you know, there's no no change in in the audio. You know, like I'm I'm all for, you know, using, you know, drum samples, you know, drum samples are, are one thing, but, you know, oh, exactly. <clears throat> but and, the and you but can everything to creative limit. That's it. And like mm -hmm. you can take a bass and throw like 40 overdrives on. <laughs> and you know, if you're using Ableton or whatever, it's just okay, let's throw any 40 distortion units. That bass will sound different than when it got it. So, yes, you're being creative to some levels. So big up to you. But people just drag and drop and then just are like, don't even try. That's the thing. Try. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, and it's, it's crazy that, um, there's a lot of people doing that nowadays too, just just to get well, since big. Since Dubstep got big again, bro, 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 it's like the whole it's 2010 all over again. 
Mm-hmm. When dubstep got big in 2008, 2009, 2010, all of a sudden people made louder noises and it's the same, you know, deep dubstep. Like, I mean, fucking Kursk in the mind and like Eat Truth. These guys kind of brought deep sub dubstep to the forefront again, but we're hitting a recycle again of this new era of people that are just trying to copycat, redo, noises are getting louder. And we're about to hit this threshold of people killing dubstep because of the loss of ethics of the art. Yeah, a lot of the uh, bro step and uh, rhythm side of things are starting to play uh, the deeper stuff in their in their sets, and it's it's bringing some of that over into this culture of of music as well. Which I mean, which is cool that it's expanding. I, I, I think it's great yeah. that it's it's expanding, but I think it's also being presented the wrong way. No, that's it. It's yeah. oh, there's people that take the piss. Very, <laughs> it's very, like, very oh, much so. Dude, I come from Western BC, bro. 2009, my first ever. I literally went from like being fucking selling drugs, stabbing people, this that, blah blah blah, to hearing excision for the first time and being like, "What is this?" And then I literally heard like a, a house music. I'm like, "This is dubstep. Everything is dubstep." But it was literally Datsik and Excision that showed me what dubstep was to be like, oh, cool. And then all of a sudden, in 2013, I got booked in Czech Republic opening for Zed's Dead because we're both Canadian. Mm-hmm. And I went to play. And the opening artist was Stifler Selecta and Dirty Toaster, who I don't even know if they produce or, or Dirty DJ Toaster. Much. That's a that's an yeah. interesting name. Dude, <laughs> look at my collabs with him, bro. He's a G. Dude, some of my best tunes were with him. That's and that's an that's a, that's a very awesome and interesting name, dude. Big up, big up these <laughs> two. And I I literally show up to the club early, and they're just playing fucking like distance and Kenzo and fucking shit I don't even know about. And I'm just like ready to go play some heavier stuff with Zed's Dead. And I'm like, whoa, this is dubstep. And they just like I went and hung out with them for a few days, and it just like opened my world. So I actually learned backwards from most people in UK culture. Or from people you know that are like, oh, I went from fucking banging scream and then heard Flux Pavilion and blah blah blah, and it went and got ruined. Well, I actually started at the ruined phase and then went backwards. So it was most people hate on these guys, but if it wasn't for these excisions, I wouldn't have even heard of this stuff or Shambhala. Yeah. And then and then I'm like, well, I'm in front of these big systems and everything hurts my ears. What do I like about it? I want to go deeper, deeper. What's this thing I feel? I feel like get away from the high end to go deeper. So yeah, the first show cool that I ever went to was was Downlink, and then I saw Liquid Stranger oh, yeah. next, and I didn't get introduced into uh, the, some of the the deeper stuff until later on, where you know I was listening to like Screaming Bango with KDB and uh, nice, yes. and Pogman and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like old Pogman original rhythm days, Bag Clatten shit, yeah, fucking villain and Gosh, like oh, those are all my boys, man. I made rhythm before. Before rhythm was rhythm now it's like my shit sucked back in the day but it was, <laughs> pure. It was pure <laughs> yeah that was that was the days when i used to i used to travel and go to festivals a lot you know go go out and see like oh. all the tobin and uh and spongo and and all of them but nowadays i don't really go out too much <laughs> I, oh, I, yeah. I can't do a three-day festival i'm too old <laughs> after like the second day Trippy. i just want to go to sleep <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm caught up too quickly. I hate it. I thought I was gonna be young forever, but I'm. It's it's so funny though. Like I can go on like a like a ten mile hike and be perfectly fine, but me trying to do a three day festival is like a no go. <laughs> yeah, wild, wild times. So I know you uh you do the the whole face painting thing, and I know we were talking about uh, like juggalos and stuff earlier as well. Are yes. you are you are you a juggalo? <laughs> oh, fully, bro, fully juggalo, man. You are too. I know. I can tell your vibe, man. Straight up. <laughs> I, I I I'm not gonna lie. I used to hang around the juggalos when I was uh, younger. Yeah. That's... <laughs> well, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's like. It was like, who knows what these new movements are, whatever. This juggalo thing, though, bro, like, that's the thing. Your family doesn't feel like family. The school and the system doesn't feel like it's part of your system, you know? It's like you're an outcast. You just want to be you. 
So it doesn't matter you're a lawyer, a doctor, a nerd, a musician, skateboarder, whatever. You just be you. As long as you're proud to be you and allow anyone else to be them and be proud to be them, why wouldn't you support that? Why wouldn't you love that? Why wouldn't you connect with that, right? And that's also why electronic music appeased to me because the true electronic scene, not the EDM scene, the true electronic scene, especially if you come to Canada, Chambla, and these places, it's truly about love and acceptance, not judging, not doing a face value of someone, allowing them to be them, giving them the first chance. And then that's where the harsh thing comes in with Juggalo and the misconception comes in. I'm literally going to give you all a first chance. I'm going to hug you. You can come in my house. If you kill my chicken, if you disrespect my wife, if you do something, then I will fuck you up because I give you such an open love and a trustworthy chance. So that's where the hippie culture and the juggalo culture is literally much one in the same, mm-hmm. but where the juggalo thing doesn't have much room for patience because we're so open and we love everyone. Like literally... I have the biggest trust issues in the world, but I push myself to give everyone into my life a big open door. So if you fuck with that, then I have then I have to compensate for that. But, you know, it's about loving and accepting and you being you. I don't give a fuck what you are. Are you a good, pure soul? Give me a hug. You're fucking real. Yeah, I've actually always wanted to check out uh, check out the, the gathering of the Juggalos. Uh, I heard it's actually a very yeah, accepting crowd to, to like play at. And, dude, uh, it's literally. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's literally like. Have you gone to Chambla or anything? It's literally the biggest place of love. Like, no, I've I, wanted like, to check it out. A couple like, of my artists have played there. Oh, dude! And people after you said they go family, family. Like, do you know how much your heart would explode with love and endorphins when there's ten thousands of people going family? Like, yes, family. Like, this is my family. (laughs) That's sick. Yeah, like the um, I I, I've been to a couple festivals. Like, um, like Wakarusa was one of my favorites back in Arkansas, Um, which was crazy though because they had a they had a tornado that hit like right in the middle of the festival, like two days, like two days oh, a tornado shit. hit. Yeah. And we had to like run into the, into like the cabin oh. and like the closest thing was the artist cabinet. So, um, the whole time, like I was over there chilling with like, uh, Minnesota and Dave Matthews from STS nine and, um, and like a couple of other people. And it was, it was so cool to like, just kind of kick it with all these people that were, uh, way bigger than, really anything that I've dealt with. Well, besides outside of family, cause I have a very musical and famous family. Um, so it, it was, oh, it was, cool. yeah. yeah, my, my uncle, well, my godfather is one of the creators of uh, Detroit techno. Um, so I used to go to movement festival what? every year. Um, and then my grandma is a very famous harpist. Um, uh, and my uncle is a very famous R&B singer. So it was. Uh, <laughs> what a cool lineage. Hey, bro, that's yeah. fucking sweet. Yeah, I mean, it's Beautiful. awesome to, you know, have family dinners and stuff and talk with family and, and kind of. No pick, kidding. <laughs> yeah, pick their ears, especially since I'm not classically trained. So it's it's. Yeah, I get to talk about different things with them, even though I did have to learn totally. instruments when I was younger. Um I don't know if it's the same thing of in course. Canada, but in uh, Detroit, it's actually mandatory for you to learn an instrument by fifth grade. So I had to learn violin. Oh, dope. Yeah. You still actually, got one or what? I actually just sold my violin last year. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, 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 I said I'm going to get another I, soon. Um, but I've been spending most of my enough, time. like I want to learn every instrument. <laughs> motorcycles oh that's your new vibe eh yeah man i got two motorcycles right now so <laughs> i i like go out to the mountains <laughs> yeah man, i literally spend my free time like riding through the mountains and whatnot and um because like i got one last year i think within i think within three months of it i put five thousand miles on the bike <laughs> So I've been like just Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, man. I just been going out like as soon as yeah. the weather's nice, I'm it's I'm bad. out of the house. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. Oh, that's epic. Colorado's too beautiful to stay inside. 
Yeah, no doubt. We're in the same <laughs> out here, bro. Yeah, man. So, right. so oh, how long have you been doing the uh, the face painting? And uh, what, what, what yeah, got you into doing 15. that for shows? I started, well, I mean, I started making music when I was 20. I started pa- painting my face when I was 15. And I was just like, you know, hustling on the streets, doing my thing. And I went to this house party. And these guys are like, you're a juggalo and you don't even know it. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And they just painted my face and they're like, yo, they could just tell. They're like, you're hard as fuck, but you're also fucking got good vibes and ethics. And I was like, yo. <laughs> so right from 15 and my one buddy, Josh, who I still t- talk with here and there, you know, long story in between the two, the, the, there's a, it was a gnarly road that I was on in between, but. Josh would paint all of our faces because he's the sickest artist in existence. So like we'd be like a house party and all these like hardcore motherfuckers be like, oh, Josh, paint our face. So he wouldn't <laughs> even get to party. He would just be like partying in the bathroom, painting all everyone's faces. Then we'd come out and it'd be like fucking eight hours later, like, oh, you can finally party and we're all painted up sick. Finally, he's like, I'm not going to paint your fucking faces. Paint your own face. <laughs> so I started to paint my own. But like since 15, I painted it. And then 20, I started playing my first shows when I was 25 years later. So I, I painted my face already for five years that I wanted to represent my homies and represent the culture that saved me and showed me that it's okay to be you and be proud to be you. And I wanted to keep presenting that culture through the bass scene. And on top of it, it's a bit misrepresented, the juggle culture. A lot of people have a bit of distaste for it so i wanted to show that it's actually a beautiful thing and the the real purity of it's dope as fuck so that's why i'm pushing it nice man with you uh with you having more of a bigger platform is there any artists out there that uh that you see pushing the sound you know past the barriers of what we're used to or any uh the smaller artists or bigger artists that you look up to Ooh. That's a that's a question that I should have been prepared more for, but um, <laughs> definitely should have been prepared. Okay, so first off, and this will seem biased, but it's not biased. Colt motherfucking cuts, because I'm a picky bastard for who I let in my circles for vibe wise and for like ethic wise, blah blah blah. Colt cuts. Seriously, look out. If this guy doesn't just blow everyone out of the water in the next few years, which he already is doing now, like Colt cuts, Colt cuts, Colt cuts. Yeah, Cohen definitely has a very high production level. Oh, dude, he's just quality-wise, unique-wise. He's not trying to be anyone else. He's just being him while achieving the greatest sound quality. You know, I'm kind of more old school. Like, I got the more, like, your your stuff, Grawwinkle. uh space jail like jesse you know whatever like Mm -hmm. i love that shit the more old school deep wobbly whatever jungly but like cold cuts got this new kind of 1985 presence but not trying to be 1985 just being his own so like colt i gotta give a hands down um Oh my god! I'm just gonna look up a fucking folder for a second because I'm leaving a little bit. <laughs> um, Hit you with a loaded yeah. question. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and it's it's funny because and this is almost cool because the top people in my radar right now, SBK. I don't know if you ever heard of him out of Montreal, oh yeah, of course, mm-hmm. or um of Quebec. Oh, Dude, I know all SBK, I know all the Canada his, boys. His rhyme stuff. <laughs> Yeah, you do. Yeah. Okay. So Raz and Substance, those are also top of the level. Like it's really, I'm really proud of my Canada boys and all these guys are pushing, doing their own stuff. So I can't, so big up to all those guys. Um, And then like, if you, if you look up to the people that I look up to, and this is kind of my mind state and where I'm at and where I want to be at is my, my favorite producers are Noisia, Amon Tobrin, Culprit and Moxix. So the first three are probably well known for most. Like it's just like people who have their own sound and push things. Like Am and Tobin pushed fully, so unique. Now everyone uses fully in their sounds. You know. Like, did you ever go never see? Tried to be anyone else? Their sound design. Did you ever go see Am and Tobin when he did the no! Islam t- uh, version too? No, I know, no, I didn't. I got to, I, I got to see no. it uh, in Arkansas, and you it did. was easily the best thing I've ever seen, dude. 
I bet. I, oh, I, bet. See, I understand. I didn't even have to see it to understand what you went through. That's beautiful. What's funny is, oh. is like, uh, I took my, I took my girlfriend at the time and, um, we were, we were setting up cause we were going to be sitting down the whole time. And, um, we, we fucked up like we we smoked a bowl of deems right before it hit and i lost her so like so, so i had to go find her in the middle of the set no, 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 no. and it was yeah. and it was so intense but like like the visuals like watching that it, yeah watching the like because it's his visuals to his music is is just one piece it's it's not exactly. it's not separated exactly. at all it was in, it was the most intense thing i've ever seen in my life Oh, cool. How do you feel about his uh, Almond Tobin um, um, namesake versus, yeah, versus Two Fingers? Oh, yeah. See, that's where I'm a bit of a bitch. The younger I was, the more of an enthusiast I was, and the older I get, the more of a recluse creativist I am. So since Two Fingers came out, I haven't been much of a fanatic I heard that the set at Shambhala actually was not the most mind melting. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't dug further into that alias, but also because I'm just more of a creationist now. Like I literally like I'll travel for six hours in my truck and not listen to a single song. Just be in my head the whole fucking time. Like <laughs> psycho levels. Like people are like, they'll go hang out with me like for for a music guy you really don't listen to music ever and it's like no because i'm creating all the time i'm inspiring off things around me i'm taking them in so that's probably one default and one sad thing that i would tell the people hey if you want to make music get ready to not enjoy music as much as you ever did before like <laughs> yeah what's crazy is you like know? uh nowadays i i listen to mostly podcasts on my spare time like if i'm working or yeah, even yeah. driving i put on a podcast because it's I like I, it's more if engaging. I'm listening it's that <clears throat> yeah totally and and just feeding your inspiration it's not like oh I like that kick how that thing does it no 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 I just want to be fucking embraced like oh how the aliens took over Mars that one day really inspires me how I want to saturate <laughs> this fucking <laughs> yeah outside of like yeah. uh electronic music do you listen to other genres outside of that like me personally I oh, don't yeah I don't I listen to dubstep I be, yeah, I don't ever listen to dubstep. If anything, I listen to liquid drum and bass and jungle a bit because I do like the melodic. Like, I love chasing status and like just really cheesy, like fucking soul filling shit. And then, like, I listen to like a lot of like Dave, you know, Dave from UK, Dave the rapper, and like Kojo Radical and uh, Sims. And like, I don't know, like, mostly, I guess, like hip hop and jazz and yeah ja jazz and like alternative stuff mm -hmm. yeah i listen to a lot of like uh, jazz and blues and a, a lot of uh you know reggae and stuff like that you know i, I like me i like yeah, things without yeah. lyrics uh for the most part <laughs> oh that's like my lady she loves things without lyrics i do love lyrics and it's weird i think it's what drives me to producing more for lyrics but if I look into my recent played, it's all goes wrong, chasing status, end credits, chasing status. Have you ever and uh, seen them live, like like with the full band? Uh, not with the full band. I seen them at Outlook in 2017 when I played there, but it was with uh without their full band. Yeah, the first time I saw them was at uh was Ultra in Miami. Oh, crazy! Yeah, hey. and they um they were doing it live and it was, it was so crazy. Cause like, I, I've heard their music, but like, I've never heard drum and bass play live. And like, like outside of the DJ aspect. And it was intense. Like, cause it, it was so perfect. And then they brought out the singers and everything too. And everything was so in sync. And I was like, damn, this is like incredible. <laughs> That's legendary. What a beautiful thing. Yeah, I got to see him do that, and then I, I saw them, I think, a year later as a DJ set uh, out in Maryland uh, for Starscape. <clears throat> well, I think oh, it's cool. called Moonrise now. Okay, I don't know. Was that in Maryland there? Yeah, that was in Maryland. It was a 18-hour right. festival. <laughs> well, it should be. Just like a fucking marathon thing. Run, go. Yeah, literally. Like it's, I think it started at like... 
I think 12 o'clock or something. And they just went through almost half the day of the next day. It was, it was wild. Like Shit. trying to stay, <laughs> stay awake for it. <laughs> but you know, when you're young, you got all that energy. So you, you can, oh, you can bro, do it. <laughs> bro, infinite spirit, bro. Infinite spirit. And that's when, yeah, and that's when, like, I, I was, like, super big into, like, drum and bass, too. Like, my favorite to this date oh, still cool. is Camo and Crooked. Like, Camo and Crooked was, is still one of the yes, best live so shows sick. I've ever seen. And uh, it was so funny because the crew that I was with, like, we were getting down so hard. Like, we were literally curve-stumping tables, basically. <laughs> Jesus. Like, it was I, – I miss I miss those days of, of yeah, partying hard like that. I remember seeing them at Wicked Woods this year. They were fucking unbelievable. <clears throat> so, we oh, still got still there? we still got a couple minutes left. Um, is there, like, anything that you want to let the fans know about yourself or uh, things you got coming up or where people can, like, check out your music or anything like that? What's that? Sorry, it just kind of cut out there. Oh, no, you're fine, man. I was saying uh, we still have a few minutes left. Um, I was. Did you have anything that you want the fans to like know about you or anything you want to plug in uh, where people can check your music or anything like that? Well, I guess this is coming out in May, so I can't even think of off my head what's coming out then. I got a bunch of drum and bass, a bunch of jungle coming out. I got a grime EP coming out on Spent Shell. Um... Uh, and in May, I'll be touring all over America. You can check that out. And as for things that, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'll just be an elusive creature in the dark. <laughs> I can't really think of my yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your name's pretty easy to uh, to find, you know, um, music-wise. So it, it, I don't think it'd be that hard for people to find your music. <laughs> As long as you can remember those 27 letters and abstract spelled incorrectly. Like, what a dumb business idea that was. <laughs> yeah, are you uh, going to be spending a couple extra days out in Denver when you play uh, Red Rocks? Um, I'm not sure. However, the tour schedule aligns. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember. It's the 6th or 7th. I'm playing a festival the next day, and I'm playing Baltimore the day before. So I think it's going to be a quick oh, in man. and out. Yeah, quick and get some rest before I get back on the road. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, but yeah, I don't know. Are you going to be around that weekend? Yeah, man. I'm going to try to come out to the show. I'm not, um, I'm not the biggest Ganja White Knight fans. Um, different style of music. Um, but I definitely want to come out to you know support the homies. That's for sure. Oh, bro, you're not alone. You're not alone on that. That's the... <laughs> I think we have a similar style and taste. I'm just grateful I'm there, all right? Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> the op- the, it's, it's an opportunity that cannot be passed up. <laughs> that is it, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, brother, man. I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to come speak with me. This, this was awesome. I mean, we haven't talked since... We played that show together back at the uh, Black Box, I would say. Submission there, yeah. Uh, like four, totally. four years ago or something. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for reaching out and keep it in touch, my friend. I've always had big love and respect for you and your music and your, your personality and you. Awesome, man. I really appreciate that, man. Well, I, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, G. Hell yeah, you too.